0: two months down and nearly just about four months to go. We welcome you to another edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast. Kyle all and Ray Flowers and uh, Ray, we're we're always looking for milestones. We're always looking for um, reasons to say, you've been this far and you only have this far to go. Um, I guess we can add another one to the ledger. Um, Two months down, four to go, Memorial Day holiday. Uh, It's time to get serious in fantasy baseball
1: it is and i know a lot of people artificially uh make that a, a jumping off point point. and uh, actually on twitter at baseball guys I, I linked to the question this week in the tat wars roundtable which was exactly hey we're at the memorial day holiday uh is this where you reassess your team so a lot of people chimed in people can find a link to that uh, I know it's a traditional point that that people start getting, I guess, really serious about things. Kyle, though, I think they should have been serious all along.
0: Yeah, I, I wanted to officially give May a chance to to conclude uh, before you and I started looking back at the first two months. So we'll actually do that midweek. Um, so if anybody was was waiting to hear that, that's going to come midweek. Uh, today we got stuff to recap from the weekend. Um, you know, player profiles, weekly preview, all that stuff is coming your way. Waiver bids. So we're going to be b- busy as usual and. You know, we're we're going to start by uh, delving into one of Ray's big topics um, that he had, I think, um, posted maybe late last week, but we're going to give it a little time here on Memorial Day. Because, Ray, what more should you do on a holiday like this than um, look at ways to save the world? And, you know, we're we're going to dig into this here momentarily, but... Ray, the challenge that you have accepted with this article over at fantasyguru.com is it appears you're trying to save the fantasy baseball playing world.
1: I am. That's my yeah. goal, Kyle. Someone needs to do it. Um, so I am ready for the scorn that I have somewhat received to date, <laughs> but it's necessary. I Jeff Jeff Mans, and I've talked about this a lot on Sirius and you know the, I'm, I'm just let's just be honest. It's a holiday, you know, like you said, we're reassessing everything. Let's reassess this. The idea that fantasy baseball is fine is inerrant. It's incorrect. It is not fine. Interest is down in baseball. Interest is down in fantasy baseball. It's true. And just because your home league has been going for 20 years, that's great. I'm not, you know, that stuff's fantastic. I know the NFBC is doing well, terrific. But the millions and millions and millions of people that play fantasy baseball just aren't as engaged as they used to be, Kyle.
0: Absolutely. So we're going to start there with our uh, starting nine on this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast, Saving Fantasy Baseball. Ray will give us a, a few of the ideas that he has come up with and uh, that you can uh, follow in depth uh, over in that article. In the two spot, we'll check in on the waiver bids and wins, uh, most notably in the Sirius XM Host League that both Ray and I are a part of. Big, big bid on Alex Manoa. I'm sure that Ray has some thoughts on that. Uh, speaking of Manoa and bidding for him, how uh, how about that other pitcher that people won't even get a chance to bid on because he has been owned since draft day in March, but we've yet to see him in the big leagues. How are things going for McKenzie Gore at AAA? When might we see him? We'll get you an update on the Uber pitching prospect there in the four spot, I had a buddy ask me this week um, and he actually plays fantasy baseball uh, and and really enjoys it. He's one of the hardcore guys like Ray and I. And he goes, why am I suddenly seeing this CSW percentage literally everywhere? Like from zero to a hundred in a month of called strike swing percentage. Um, All of this stuff. You're seeing it a load. We'll dig into the number and why it's important player profile. We'll take a look at a rebounding Yusei Kikuchi of the Seattle Mariners. He was good again on Sunday. Hit you with some news and notes in the sixth spot. Seven, we'll do the weekly planner highlights. Rob Povia has the article over at uh, Fantasy Guru, and uh, we'll spotlight a few of the things that he spotlighted in that article. Then we'll hit you with the random reference at eight and the stamp of approval at nine. Ray, our leadoff hitter, saving fantasy baseball. Um, we may not even need another eight hitters after this bit. Um, a lot of things that you point to in the article, you posted it on May 28th. So it was a few days back. And as you already noted, um, maybe it's getting a little long in the tooth, fantasy baseball. And, and even the game of baseball is getting a little long on the tooth. And they're obviously trying to fix things and people are responding to the game that they're seeing. So... You know, why don't we try to fix things? Um, hit me with your your three biggest suggestions. Your your mm. three that you think are most critical to improving this game that you and I and, and so many of our listeners love. Where, where do you start?
1: Needed Changes in Fantasy Baseball is the title, and it's a free article. So everyone listening to this can go read it. You don't have to be a subscriber. It's free. Um, Boy, if I had to choose three, because I don't know, there's 10, 12 in this article... Um, I would say number one, we, and I don't like this personally, but we need leagues to be head to head. We just do. Um, uh, I think head to head in fantasy baseball is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> the, and I was answering a question this morning, do I start Dylan Cease over John Means or Julio Urias? Why? Because Dylan Cease might have two starts this week. You should never be benching Means and Urias for a Cease. You should, he's, they're not, he's not a better pitcher, but So we run into issues like that. We run into issues with, you know, how do we operate the waiver wire and such, but head to head has to be where it is because people lose interest. They just do. They lose interest over the course of the the season. They think it's too long. I think that's a good way, Kyle, to start out, you know, changing the matchup base. Because then you can always beat your boss or your sister or your brother or your cousin. You can always beat them. It doesn't matter if you're one and nine. You can still kick their ass in week 11. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the number one option. Um, Two, we have to do something about roster construction. And... I don't really know what that is. And I think I, I, you know, and I have a whole bunch of suggestions here. Do we we go infield, outfield? Do we go more UT? Do we remove catchers? Like we need to do something about roster construction because I'm constantly getting questions. And this league uses five outfitters, this four, this three. This league has eight bench. This league has no bench. Like it's all over the place. So I think we need to come up with something more defined because the standards that we use, 14 hitters, nine pitchers, no one uses those. So we need to come up with a better plan there. And, and then the third one, I think that we have to change or at least consider changing the length of the season. And I gave out a bunch of options with that too. Do we go six different months? Do we go third to third to third? Do, do, we only, do we go by halves? We have to also change that. So I think that we need to talk about making sweeping changes, Kyle, not just to lineups and how we play the game, but the, the format of it as well.
0: Yeah, these are dramatic and, you know, Ray, I applaud you because I, like you noted, you're not in favor of most of these, but you realize just because you're in the minority doesn't mean we shouldn't make the change like that head to head thing. I'm I'm right there with you. I, 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 I've mostly, in fact, I have this year in the last couple of years, I haven't touched head to head leagues. I, 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 they're no interest in me. Now, if I'm playing fantasy football, I love head to head leagues you know, it's, it's me against you and it's, you know, it's set up the way the sport is set up. Baseball has never been set up that way. Um, The sport is just different when you have 162 games and you're playing over the course of six months. you can have, as you noted, bad weeks. You can be unlucky with stupid things like two-start pitchers. I I wonder, Ray, if it's as simple as saying, if we didn't have two-start pitchers, would I be more in favor of head-to-head? And you know, you say, well, you're, you're always going to have two start pitchers. Well, maybe the starting pitchers have been devalued so much and they yeah. are so limited and they are such rigid pitch counts and protection and all this stuff. Maybe a two start week in 2021 is nothing like a two start week in 2011. And I think there's actually a, a fair bit of argument to that, that even if you're getting two starts of Dylan Cease, maybe one start of Julio Aureus is better. You know, I, I don't know if Cease necessarily gets that big advantage just because of the two starts, because Dylan Cease himself has not reached that level where a, a coaching staff is going to turn them loose for even 12 or 13 innings in a week. Like, right. you may get lucky to get eight, nine innings out of Dylan Cease this week.
1: Yeah, you're totally right. It is completely different, um, because back in the old days, you could feel confident if the guy was, you know, one of the one, two or three starters on a team kind of guy that you're going to get six innings twice. You could feel, you know, if he's right, if the matchup's good and he's not getting bombed, we're not there. Uh, Teams will go to bullpen games. They'll go to six-man rotations when schedule gets rough. We've got all this asinine doubleheader stuff that we're dealing with. I mean, so, yeah, the two-start component shouldn't be a reason not to do head-to-head. Because I, I agree with you, the importance of it is much reduced. And there's ways around this too. Cause I see people say we're in a head-to-head league and we run waivers every day. You can't run waivers every day for an <laughs> a head-to-head league. Yeah. You can't, you can't do that. You run waivers once a week. If you want to allow people to change your lineups every day, okay. But you can't run waivers every day. Cause then you end up with this scenario where, and I've told this story before, there was a guy the last time I, I played in an open waiver wire league, it wasn't even head-to-head. He had 407 moves. <laughs> that wasn't even head to head. So you, yeah. So if you're going to do head to head, you can do things like lock the waiver wire down. You can do, you know, the limit of innings. I don't really like that part, but yeah, just to pull back, there's more concerns in the two-start thing. I just do that out. There's concerns of, you know, 27 at bats. What the hell does that mean? I mean, it doesn't mean anything. So, but yeah, the two-start component is less of a a roadblock today than it would have been 10 years ago.
0: No, I, I focus on that because that's what is, is like, there's a whole industry of writers and analysts in the fantasy world that all they do is talk about two-star pitchers. So in and, and I get it, but I don't know if it's as important anymore, especially with injuries cropping up and then rainouts literally every single second. You know, I don't know if it's as important or maybe deserves as much attention as it did 10 years ago. Um now the roster or the positional thing, gosh, you know, to me, it would be great if we could all work from the same verbiage like we're all dealing with the same topic subject all that but we aren't in fantasy baseball but i guess for me ray i've got to have the positions represented i know some people throw out this idea of just just call them infielders and outfielders mm-hmm. and we're done with it. i can't stand that um i think part of the challenge of a draft is knowing when to strike at which position and if all of a sudden we just chronicle guys as infielders outfielders i think rankings become almost damn near impossible um, you know, we're talking about 700 players and and trying to figure out where these guys fit. So I, I'm fine with one catcher leagues. I've always played two, but I'm fine with one uh, first base, second base, shortstop, third. Um, I'm fine with just a utility. I don't need a middle or a corner. You know, I'm fine with just a utility infielder, any, any extra corner or middle, whatever you want to do, but one spot there. And then I've always played five outfielders, but I'm fine with four. And all these numbers are lower rate, from two catchers to one you know from maybe six or seven infielders to six uh from five outfielders to four um and then you can throw in a ut hitter could be the ran and and why am i agreeable to that because ray i i think there's just not enough in depth knowledge for the general fan they they get overburdened by the roster construction of a, a fantasy baseball team um and, and I, again, I, I want to be overburdened. <laughs> I want to have to dig for guys. And I, I kind of enjoy complaining that I can't find a fifth outfielder in such and such a league. You know, that's, that's what I, I like the challenge of it. But if you want to grow and that's kind of and you want to keep going by growing, you've got to make this easier for people to kind of digest. And I think limiting positions is one way to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean. I think it really depends Kyle on you know what the goal is here because I agree with you like I don't want to cut things down I don't want to make things easier I but you and I are different we're in our 40s we've been playing this for a long time we're lifelong baseball fans we grew up reading the newspaper like we're, we're different you know our dads taught us we were just different if we want this game to grow and not just end when all of us hit 70 which is kind of what I fear I kind of feel like in 30 years fantasy baseball's over because every young kid no no kid in the world plays baseball anymore none of them follow baseball anymore. They don't play fantasy, but they don't, they don't. And we can have this argument, they don't. Okay. So we need to make fantasy baseball more like fantasy football. And the attraction of fantasy football, most people say it's once a week, it's not they play Thursdays, they play Sundays, they play Mondays, they play Saturdays, sometimes it's not. But the 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 attraction of it is there's really four positions. And we talk about this all the time. It's four positions, because no one cares about kickers and defense. And most of the time you have one tight end and one quarterback. So it's really only about choosing running backs and wide receivers each week. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for people to get involved. They don't even have to pay much attention. They can get involved and have a representative team in baseball, because we're not using a point system. We're, we're talking about, you have to fill this category, that category. Then we're adding on the positions and all the positions matter. It's not like just two, it's all, of, it's all eight of them in baseball. It's different the game is more complicated from that angle. And I don't, we, we have to do whatever we can to simplify it because you can only go so far. I don't want to go infield outfield. I think that's dumb. Okay. I suggested in the article because I've heard it from people and, you know, at one point I wanted to stuff everyone into what I wanted to do. I'm realizing <laughs> that what I want to do, isn't what they want to do. And for this to work, we got to do what they want to do.
0: Yeah. And, and that last part you brought up about the season, how long is it? I, I, I've totally, co- me personally, I don't know if I'd ever join a league like this. Uh, maybe I'd be forced to if I couldn't find enough people who wanted to do a full season like me. But, Ray, I think it makes a lot of sense for people out there to conclude the season at the end of August. Um, and, and there are I think the two big arguments are it concludes before the football season. Um, and, and so everybody can have just, boom, it's August 31st, season's over. We got a week off NFL season starts next week. And so it kind of keeps that, you know, juice, that energy, everything going there beyond that. There's a lot to be said that major league baseball in the month of September is, is kind of a, a joke, <laughs> By it's so unpredictable. You've got six or seven teams that have totally quit on the season. You've got guys being rested for the playoffs. You've got pitchers who are, being skipped starts and protected. You've got dreamt up IL injuries, Uh, things that happen all year, by the way, but I think they're the the emphasis on them. the, The number of them is increased in the month of September and a lot of leagues out there do like playoffs in September. And so that can throw off the fairness factor, if you will, of a fantasy baseball season. I would just say you take fantasy baseball and you say from opening day to the end of August, and and that's your schedule.
1: Well, I mean, I I even threw this out in the article, the idea of playing half seasons, because, you know, everyone's here's my thing. Everyone's favorite part seems to be trading and drafting. Right. Those are the two favorite parts for people. Let's increase the drafting because what do you hear from everyone right now? Oh, you know, I drafted, you know, Mike Trout and he's, he's hurt. Oh, I drafted Luis Castillo and he's terrible. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, do more drafts, replace your whole team, make it more like DFS, not daily, but make it more like DFS. And I went with the idea of, you know, half season leagues. I hear what you're saying, getting rid of September. Okay. I went with half season leagues because I thought to myself, look, we'll play either to the all-star break or just go, you know, through some random. It's very hard because the games played are not all even. So it's probably best to go to the all-star break. And then you can do a second draft and have the second half of the season, because then you have a couple of days off of games. You've got a couple of days to set your schedule. And then the people that all they want to talk about in July is football. And we know they exist. They go away. And then you don't get the derelict owner that's not paying attention or setting their lineup in the second half. And maybe that means we go from, you know, five million leagues in the first half to 2.2 in the second half. I don't know. But at least then, you know, people are a little bit more serious about it. Uh, the article's up and available. Uh, Ray, you've
0: also got your own individual podcast that really delves into this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just kind of wanted to give a brief run through, uh, kind of spotlight a few things. Now, Ray's got a lot more that may pique your interest. So check out the article, check out the podcast. But wanted to start uh, this week's edition by uh, d- doing a little efforting at improving this game that we all love. Uh, let's go to the two spots in the uh, starting nine and Ray, it's our weekly check-in on waiver bidding and waiver winning. We uh, all like to use the Sirius XM host league to keep it consistent here. Both Ray and I are a part of this league. And I think in every league, Ray, the big question going into last night was how much is Alec Manoa going to cost me? And you and I were on the Sirius XM show on Sunday and um, I pretty well told you, Hey, it's desperation time for me. My pitching staff sucks. My team is not doing well. I'm not really seeing much pitching anywhere on the waiver wire. So I'm going to go full bore in this league. And so Ray, I went at 251. I think was my bid. I was a hundred bucks short (laughs) on Alec Manoa, 352 bucks, Eric Halterman, uh, who I don't even think needs Alec Manoa, a 352 bucks for the dude. And, I, don't, I mean, I know it's a silly price tag, Ray, but I was a desperate owner. I was pretty disappointed this morning when I woke up.
1: Yeah, I saw a couple of people tweeting to, to Vlad Souther because he writes that the Saturday Fab article at the site. And so I only saw two leagues th- to this out, but a couple of people screenshotted their NFBC numbers for Manoa. In one league, uh, he went for 283 and the runner up bid was 282. Ooh, that, <laughs> that has got to hurt. Uh, and then the other one, the runner up bid was 285 and the winning bid was 421. So, I mean, and that's, again, that's just two of them. I'm sure I'll look later and see if we can find more data, but, uh, people are always going to overspend. We talked about it on the show. What did we say yesterday? 175, 200. And I wouldn't be surprised if it hit 25%. Well, unfortunately, um, it did. And then some Kyle, uh, 352 to me is, is banana pants, but that's what you had to pay to get this guy.
0: Well, it's it's based off the market supply and demand. And like I said, in this league, there's very little supply. Now it is worth mentioning, uh Manoa was a part of this supply two weeks ago. <laughs> you could have had him for, for 20 bucks. So hey, I'm guilty as the next guy of, of letting them slide. Uh, but the rest of the league right now, I'm looking at I'm looking through the charts and the teams. And it's like, oh my God, there's nothing here. There's nothing on the waiver. wire. So I, I I felt I was going big, but not near big enough. And all it takes is one bidder, like any market to drive the price up. Um, I ended up sell, settling because I had like four or five pitchers um, in case I didn't get Manoa. Um, I, I went pretty high on James Caprileon. Um, I got him for 81 bucks, had a $39 bid on Carlos Martinez who I can't stand, but I, I just needed someone to, to throw some pitches. I had a bid on Brad Keller in that league, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't know. I mean, Caprillion is, his first few starts have been pretty good. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think he's worth 80 bucks in this league, but I'll see what I can get because again, I'm just desperate to to make up some ground in pitching.
1: But uh, you know, my re- reluctance with him um, has always been that I really didn't think he was going to stick in the rotation. You've had AJ puck and Hazus Lizardo coming. Um, and as we discussed with Steve Phillips yesterday on series six M the A's appear fine with putting Lizardo in the bullpen now. I'm reading and I'm trying to figure this out. The sense I'm getting is not that they're putting him in the bullpen today and next week he's in the rotation. It's that they're going to put him in the bullpen and see how it goes. And Caprillion, you know, pitching well, obviously is part of the reason they'd be comfortable with doing that. But that was also part of the reason I was always reluctant to go in because I just figured, you know, Lizardo's back and he's in the rotation. That's the only thing that makes sense. We'll see what the A's do. Injuries happen. You know, maybe someone slides. Uh, Cole Irvin, you know, he's kind of been mod- very moderate the last three or four times out. Uh, but yeah, that Lazardo piece is is kind of changed the way we're looking at that Oakland A's rotation.
0: Yeah, um, other bids and the price tags: uh, Lucas Sims for forty-one bucks in this league. JP uh, Fire Ice and eight bucks. All right, I think everybody else in the league looked at Fire Ice and it says, "Oh, but he's a Tampa guy. I'm not going to bid on him. He's got a couple of saves since he got the Tampa. I mean, he's surely worth eight bucks. And not not that he's a closer, but." He could still easily end up with eight to 10 saves this year.
1: Yeah. My problem was that I, I lost Jeff McNeil and then I lost my Michael Brantley to the injured list. So I needed an outfielder. Um, so I had to go in that direction. I actually had bid in for Fire Eisen at 17. Mm. So if I didn't need an outfielder, I, he would have been on my team because that was the highest bid otherwise. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, I got a roster crunch going that I needed a hitter. So it, that, you know, that's how this goes too. And, and a lot of times, especially in the bullpen a lot of times that's how this works and we talk about it a lot you don't want to wait until the team says this guy's the closer because then the the eight dollar bid is 80 at a minimum and it could be 180 right you want to get in early and you know there's there were um lucas sims went for 41 dollars. i don't know if he's the closer or not but he got a couple of saves last week you know, that that's, you got to get in before it's official or you really have to pay up for those guys.
0: Well, circling back to, uh, your search for an outfielder, Ray, I guess you circled back to a guy you dropped two weeks ago. Did mm-hmm. Jeff Manns crack the whip on you? Did well, he get upset with you? Was he pissed off when you dropped Andrew Vaughn and this week you picked him up again?
1: Yeah, I know. It's a, such a waste to do that too. But, um, <laughs> I mean, you look like it's, it's Rob Ref it, didn't pay it's much. Like, it was 28 bucks. Yeah. by the way. And honestly, luckily to be honest with you, cause um, Trevor Larnach was the, the the backup guy. And, you know, the last week he's hitting 350. He's got a couple of home runs. This guy actually got a 900 OPS the last two weeks. I'm, you know, getting ready for this podcast this morning. And, oh, here's the note that, oh, yeah, by the way, coming back on the airplane last night, Trevor Larnach was in an aircast. It's like, what? Like, <laughs> what? He got hit by a pitch. No one said anything for 15 hours. You were on an airplane with the guy. You couldn't tweet out, oh, he had an aircast on last, yeah, last night. Internet service, Ray. Come on. Yeah, when you land in the airport, I guess it's too late to – So he was the backup bit. So at least we didn't get him because I guess now we have to worry as of this podcast, he hasn't been placed on the injured list or anything, but you know, you don't have an air cast on if you're healthy. So yeah. I mean, Jeff kind of said yes. And then it's amazing. We're talking about how many outfielders we use. I mean, Hunter Renfro. Okay. He's, you know, he's been, he's been good the last couple of weeks, but he's Hunter Renfro, you know, John birdie hasn't really hit much. He's, you know, steals a base. You know, Rob, Ref Snyder, like outfield is not good. It was a twelve-team league. Outfielder's messy, Kyle. So yeah,
0: we got Andrew Vaughn. I'm even short an outfielder this week. I was looking at my roster. I I got guys on the IL all over the place, and uh, was unable to get one of my bids and stuff. And you know, you can only rank or you can rank as many as you want, but I'd rank like four or five. And I got my two pitchers first, and so then the moves were made. So I'm I'm rolling this week and outfielder short, and it's just so messy with the IL. And and I think a lot of teams are dealing with it and. Every week, you're hoping you find a gold gem on the uh, on the waiver wire, but uh, 90% of the time, you're you're left holding the bag with nothing. Uh, but anyway, those were the results of at least one league. Again, Manoa going 352. That league has an overall for the season budget of 1,000. Um, and I didn't check. Eric Halterman, do you have it in front of you, Ray? How much money
1: um, he now has yes, left? He now has $412, so he had not okay. been spending too much. Anthony Anianos and Howard Bender are both – under a 100 bucks right now so they really have gone aggressively but uh halderman's at 412 which happens to be one dollar less than we have
0: okay well he saved uh, the hammer for alec manoa Uh, let's move to the three spot in the baseball elite podcast Uh, speaking of manoa let's talk about a uh, high-end pitching prospect prospect a guy who uh is certainly considered to have a brighter future than manoa both are high-end prospects but People have been talking about McKenzie Gore with San Diego for a solid two years. Thought it'd be time to maybe check in on him. We always talk about Wander Franco and Tampa, and we talk about these hitters. When are they going to be called up? Ray, we haven't talked about McKenzie Gore much. Um, Saw a blurb today, and I said, oh, yeah, McKenzie Gore. So uh, four starts at AAA for uh, the best pitching prospect in baseball. And, Ray, his ERA is about six. His whip's one eight. A lot of walks in 16 innings. And I think yesterday they skipped the start with a blister. So <laughs> needless to say, McKinsey Gore has not had a, a quick run out of the shoot this year.
1: He's not. And um, I, I mean, I think that this has become really obvious for people. And, I, and they, they'll feel, they feel the pain now. And then seven months from now, they forget it, which is the part that always gets me. These guys don't ever perform as we expect at the start. Like, really? Daniel Lynch bombed. Logan Gilbert's done nothing. I mean, just go on through this list, especially on the pitching side of things. Um, Nate Pearson hasn't done anything. Sixto Sanchez hasn't done anything. Like, this is a brutal game you are playing if your move is to build your team around young pitchers that don't even have jobs when the season begins. It's brutal. (laughs) And I see people all the time, they'll they'll show me their pitching staff, and they've got like four guys on their team that are 23 years old on the staff. And it's like, good luck. You you win the talent game. You're not going to win anything in the fantasy game, though. And... You know, no one with Gore thinks any less of him than they did 12 months ago. Everyone still looks at him as the as probably the best pitching prospect in baseball. He's not even close to being ready to pitch in the big leagues. People yeah. were, were clamoring for him last year. People were drafting him this year. He's not ready. And you know, we we are used to seeing guys get called up and have immediate success like Manoa. it happens, but for the majority of guys it doesn't, especially these young guys, especially these young guys without a lot of experience. And especially these young guys coming off a season where they didn't really play. And I think too many people overlook that fact when they're putting rosters together this year.
0: I still look at Gore Ray and I I said this in the preseason and, and I'll say it now to me. He's a pitcher that San Diego intends to make use of in the second half and not necessarily as a starter. I said that's the most likely outcome. There there may be some starts, but I think they'll be limited in, in terms of number and also in terms of uh, depth of, of pitching performance. But I, I think this is a guy that they kind of foresee, you know, being a, a lights out reliever in a big situation in September or even October. I, I don't think that is still out of the realm of possibility, even with this bad start. I mean, he could roll off a good month and okay, they're going to bring him up. I think the issue is, is maybe a lot of McKenzie Gore stashers are probably reassessing things mm-hmm. and wondering, why am I not hearing about these guys? And and this is what I speak to. People don't have the patience. They don't know what they're getting into, like you noted, with, with stashing a guy like Gore. And I think right now he may be sitting on rosters, but I'm telling you, Ray, over the next month, I bet you people start to dump him. You know, once we get to June and, and big prospects still aren't up, People start to get frustrated. They're not hearing things. There's nothing imminent. Like, at least with Franco, something appears imminent. Like, it, it purely mm-hmm. seems to right. be a manipulation of service time. Right. And so people understand that. With Gore, the results aren't great. There's nothing being whispered about at the big league level. And, you know, you, you just don't know what his role is going to be when he gets here. I, I think a lot of people will be dropping him in the next three to four weeks.
1: Well, and again, you know... <laughs> In a dynasty league and a keeper league, this is different in a redraft league. I don't know why you would have drafted him at all this year because of the concerns about everything that we've just discussed. And then secondarily, you've got you Darvish, Joe Musgrove, Blake Snell, Chris Paddock, those guys are all locked into the rotation. Now Snell hasn't been, in, we've talked about him. He's been terrible, still locked into the rotation. And then they've got Weathers and LaMette, where does Gore pitch? Well oh, we six. know, we know though, Ray, not all those guys are gonna stay healthy. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, why would you draft a guy who legitimately has five guys ahead of him, maybe even six, when the season begins? That's 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 just as a starting point. Then all the other things that we discussed. Like, I don't understand, Ooh. unless you were drafting him, as you suggested, with the expectation he was gonna be up after the all-star break. And if you're drafting a guy to waste a roster spot for three full months, you're doing it wrong just flat well, out and, and it better be three full months
0: of at least starting pitching again. That's the case. I don't know if he's going to like it, for a lot of leagues because of their setups and the way they score things McKenzie Gore's role, like let's say he gets called up, right? But if he's in the bullpen in the seventh inning, who cares? Yeah. Like if even he's, if he's good, he, he, he may not deserve to be on a roster.
1: Yeah. Like it, cause if you're getting Michael Kopech work from him, that's great. But that for half the season, it's not great at all. You know, yeah. it, at the moment, it'll be fine once he gets it. But you've wasted. And with every single day, all we talk about is injuries on this podcast, because they happen every 10 minutes. Every <laughs> single day, there's injuries. You're just wasting a roster spot on a guy that you're hoping gives you 42 good innings in the second half. Just pick up J.P. eyes and for eight bucks, like you said, like <laughs> you could say you at least get saved potential there. And that if, if Gore's in the, in the bullpen, you know, what are you hoping for? Three wins? You know, hoping to vulture a couple. Like, yeah, there's just nothing there. I
0: don't know, or I haven't seen, Ray probably has, but I haven't seen what Mackenzie Gore's uh, CSW percentage is. I'm guessing it's not very good with all the walks he's had. Uh, Let
1: me see if I can look that up as we're talking. Yeah,
0: see if you can look that up. Um, CSW percentage, that's uh, number four in our starting nine today. buddy of mine stopped me this weekend, and he says, why does every blurb that they put out at XXX site I know which we're not talking about <laughs> mentioned CSW percentage. Why is it everywhere? When were these marching orders issued to, to bring this up with every article and every blurb? I never saw this. And, and Ray, he's, he's a guy who loves baseball, but he's not somebody who, you know, it, it goes crazy for everything that's produced audio and visually and the written word, all that, you know, he's just a fantasy baseball fan who knows what he's doing. Um, but he said, it's just crazy. It's everywhere. And, and I think he's right, Ray. I started to think, and it's like, it feels like two years ago, I never, ever, ever saw this. And now it is on almost every write-up of a pitcher. Uh, they bring up this this called strike and swinging strike percentage. It's, it, it's really taken off,
1: hasn't it? It has, except every time they mention it on that site, they describe what it is in parentheses because no one knows what it is. <laughs> um <laughs> But you've brought it up and I know there are other places where it's
0: like a, it's a big feature of every pitcher's profile is what their CSW percentage is.
1: I don't see Gore's numbers. I guess we don't get that from minor league stuff. Unfortunately, at least not that I can find here in two minutes. Um, 2019 FSWA research article of the year by Alex Fast. fast, excuse me, was this CSWP the article idea. And it's a great article. I wrote about this. What is CSW? Let's see what what is the date of this article? Uh just so people can check. It's over at, obviously at Fantasy Guru. Wrote about it in April, April 16th. And then actually about 12 days ago, I did a CSW review, uh 2021, week eight, and kind of checked. Are you back Ray's in. getting the marching orders too. I am too. I am too. <laughs> um, and I what it basically tries to say is that it's it's a slightly better way to look at things. Like I talk about swinging strike rates all the time. It's correlates a little bit better to success than swinging strike. Let's, let's not get confusing here. I'll keep it simple. CSW basically lends support to the idea of being a dominant pitcher with good strikeout rates. Okay. That's the goal. And it's, it's more, it seems to be more accurate than something like a swinging strike rate. Because we'll say all the time, oh, you know, last season, let, let's pull up the numbers as we're talking. Last perfect example of this is, is, is uh, Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler, if you look at his production last year in the strikeout column, it caved. And this is a guy that strikes out a batter an inning, right? And last year it was 6.7 per nine innings. Terrible, right? So on the surface, dude lost two two plus strikeouts per inning. What the hell's wrong with him? And you start digging a little deeper and you say to yourself, well, what does the supporting data say about that? The supporting data says about that his swinging strike rate was actually above his career number. Okay. Well, that doesn't speak to the, the loss in strikeouts. What about his CSW? His CSW was actually above his career number. So both of those numbers suggested strongly that his strikeout rate would go up this year. What's happened? Strikeout rate has gone through the roof this year. Yeah. It's really shut up. Really have. Now his swinging strike rate and his CSW have gone way up. So there's been corresponding there, but he's a perfect example of a guy. If you just looked at the strikeout numbers, you would say, Oh boy, there's concern here. Cause that number went way down. But when you look at st- swinging strike rate and then more directly CSW, it did predict a rebound in that column. Yeah. The CSW also gets
0: the, the, you know, un <laughs> I should say the taken strike, if you will, um, that hitters just see go by and it's called for a strike by the umpire. And, uh, Ray, I would ask, what makes a good percentage? I, I guess, you know, if you're in the 35% for a game, that's good, isn't excellent. it? it yeah, 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 that's excellent. That's on the high end. Right. We, we see some, you, you'll see a lot of dominant games and, you know, like you bring up Wheeler. He had 14 Ks, I guess, the other day. And I think it was like 40 something percent
1: Yeah,
0: uh, was his CSW. So I guess for a season, are you
1: looking for a guy in the low 30s in? Well, if I were to give a key, and it's in, again, it's in the articles over at the site, uh, 35 and up is excellent. So that's like Hall of Fame level. Now, what oftentimes you'll see is they'll the information sources will parse it out, and they'll say it's 40% on his fastball. It's 18% on his slider or whatever. Oh, so yeah. sometimes when you're seeing 40%, it's not 40% for the game. It's 40% for that pitch. Um, a 40% mark is just out of this world. So 35% is excellent. Over 30% is really good. The league average is about 28%. Okay. So 28% is the league average. So obviously anything above or below that, that's kind of your baseline.
0: Well, and and what I almost sense the stat as, Ray, is a stat that shows a little bit of appreciation to to the uh, catcher or the pitching coach or even the pitcher for how they go about mixing and matching and approaching a hitter. Because mm-hmm. that called strike, too, is kind of keeping a hitter off balance, that swinging strike. It's almost an appreciation for the ability to keep a batter not so locked in, to yeah, keep them a little, yeah. you know, is struggling with, you know, what pitch is going to come next, mm-hmm. and is this going to be a wasted pitch, or gosh, is this guy going to really attack me at 0-2? I think that pitcher kind of gives credit to the whole staff. You know, the 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 coach, the catcher, and the pitcher – putting that number together
1: like you know in reality i alex did a great job here because what he did is he took something that's very i mean let's be honest this is a a very simple idea yeah it's very
0: easy to keep you know it's not like some in-depth staff with 500 you know math
1: moves yep it's a very simple thing it's very intuitive it's very logical and quite frankly we're all stupid for not coming up with it (laughs) you know i'm not taking anything away from him because he's he did i didn't i never did it i've been doing this for 20 years but like you're saying, you know, we just talked about the league average rate being 28%. Ryan Yarbrough doesn't strike anyone out, right? No, it never strikes anyone out. His career mark is 27%. And last year it was 29. Because what does he do? He does exactly what you just described. He keeps guys off balance. He changes the, the ice side of the batter. He's in and out of the strike zone. He's, he's up, he's down, he's in, he's out. He pitches. And normally we, we in you know, in his case, this is, this is the next level thing too. In his case, in the case of, of a guy like Yarbrough, you have to just not focus on the one number because while that number suggests, wow, this is pretty impressive, you know, he, doesn't, he still doesn't miss bats because he, he doesn't have the stuff to miss bats. When he makes his pitch, he gets a swinging miss. When he's, when he's off his target, he gets hit. So it, the CSW is not an answer by any means to, some, to anything really overall. But in the, the the main of we're talking about strikeout potential, it's a very useful tool. Well, on Sunday, um, the guy we're going to spend a little time
0: on a player profile here, um, I think his CSW percentage was 28.8 uh, strikes looking and strikes swung at. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi was that man, 104 pitches, uh, 16 strikes looking, 14 strikes swinging. Um, which is about his yearly number. He's pretty well right around those spots. I think for the year, he's at 32%, though. So he was actually kind of down yesterday. Uh, but, Ray, it was another good outing for Yusei Kikuchi, another quality start outing. Uh, this dude's on a run, man, of quality starts. Uh, now, he, he didn't officially get one yet. Well, no, he did. He went six and two-thirds innings. Uh, but I think, Ray, we're, we're up to, what, like six straight starts uh, where you say Kikuchi's gone at least yeah. six innings and had three or fewer runs. So he's rolling here over the past month or so.
1: He is. Uh, and it's been a while now, but I'll repeat it. Um, he, My breakout pitcher of the year list, the three finalists were Kikuchi, Means, and Eflin. Now, Kikuchi wasn't the winner. It was Eflin. Unfortunately, the other two guys are pitching better right now. But Kikuchi was on my list of you got to get this guy. And he's gonna be a great bargain given the, the cost. His ADP was over 300. Um, and you know, if you look at the changes that he has made to his game, he simplified his mechanics and then he, then he went back to what he did. So it, there was a mechanical change involved. He added velocity last year, uh, second largest jump in velocity last season, okay? Back to where he was before he came to the States. Everyone was all excited and then he came here and his arm and his stuff wasn't the same. He added the velocity back and his strikeout rate went way up, okay? You combine that with the ability to generate ground balls, which is something he can do, and you've got a pitcher that's intriguing. So I'm not at all surprised to see that he has had success this year, Kyle, because, again, the velocity's back, the ability to miss bats is back, and he gets strikeouts. And quite honestly, if you just throw strikes for the most part doing that, you don't issue free passes, that profile leads to success, and it's a matter of how high that success goes with the other parts.
0: I don't know if it goes like what level does it go to with Kikuchi, Ray? I don't think we're ever going to be sitting here talking about you say Kikuchi is like a top 30 pitcher. I mean, he doesn't have that profile. Um, like it's a good run, but he's just kind of a pitcher. Um, nothing leaps off the page with him. Um, it's a guy who has to pitch his way to victories. And, you know, one issue you've got is Seattle isn't going to get you many victories. You know, it's just a bad team. He gets no offensive support. And, and you just wonder, even a good year for Yusei Kikuchi, is it eight victories with like a 3 6 ERA and a mm-hmm. 110 whip and, you know, eight and a half Ks per nine innings? Let's, I kind of wonder if that's what you're looking at with him.
1: Yeah. Well, the win thing we can't, I mean, Seattle's hideous. I'll so call it Ray. He's going to be under 10. <laughs> very well could be. And it's not his fault. And, you know, that we know Seattle's offense is hideous. So I, I'm going to remove that. It, it, his terms of his fantasy value, you can't, but I'm going to remove it for the sake of our discussion because it's, you know, if he's pitching this way and he's going to win seven games, that's not on him. Um, a strikeout in an inning is not impressive today as it would have been 10 years ago. Right. Of course. But it's still, it's, it keeps you even with everyone else, right? There's guys that are 12, 13, I know what I'm saying, but the league average is right about one per inning. So he's right there. The walks are back to the level that he was at his first season. So again, he's brought that back under control He has been unfortunate with the home run this year. He's given up 11 home runs this season. Hasn't he been that way for his career, though? No. no, Well, he was the year two and he wasn't last year. And I think if you look at this batter, and there's a running debate how much control does a pitcher have over things like launch angle or exit velocity? Like, is it, do they have any control over that or is it all on the hitter, right? Um, His launch angle last year was 4%. This year it's way up at 7%. But 7% 7% is way down from the 12% mark he had as a rookie. So if you just look at the launch angle that batters are producing off him, it's what, 60% of his home of the level of his rookie season. The home run per nine rate right now is 85% of that doesn't match. It just doesn't they don't go together. And when you look at the totality what he does, you're left with the home run to fly ball ratio being 23% and that's just not so if you normalize that that home run component, which is basically what XFIP does, you end up with an XFIP mark of three four eight, which is four-tenths of a run below his actual ERA. So you could even make the case that he's pitching better than the ERA says right now. And I think a lot of the reason that there are some concerns is the home run, and I think that is basically sample size induced.
0: His next couple of uh, matchups should favor him, too. Against Anaheim, of course, no Mike Trout there. Anthony Rendon's barely hitting the rest of the lineup is junkie, uh, probably on the road at Cleveland or maybe even at Detroit for his next start. And and I bring that up, Ray, because, hey, that is tasty if you own Kikuchi. But I, I wonder, is he a guy that you trust in almost all matchups? To me, he wouldn't be. Like if I had Kikuchi and, you know, he's on the road at, against the White Sox or the Blue Jays or, you know, one of those teams comes to Seattle I'd still kind of be hesitant rolling him out there. You know, even in the AL West, facing Houston, I, I wouldn't go in with much confidence as him as my starter that night on my fantasy team. It's,
1: it's really interesting because I understand completely that point of view. I also would say, look, if you're, if you're looking at this numbers-wise, there's no reason not to pitch him in every matchup. There isn't. Against lefties, he's got a 212 WOBA. Against righties, it's 296. At home, it's 273. On the road, it's 286. And on and on and on. All these numbers, strikeouts, walks, grounders, all this, it all says this is a guy you should be pitching every time out. He's never done it over the course of a season. He doesn't get run support, and he's not established as that guy in anyone's minds. I get it. But I i, I would be much less reluctant than you to bench him. I'm not saying I wouldn't in some matchups, but I'd be much less reluctant to do so.
0: So The player profile of Yusei Kakuchi. Let's go to the news and notes section number six here on the podcast. And, as usual, injuries. Um, maybe we'll start you with some good news today. Uh the Mets set to activate Pete Alonso. Kevin Pilar sounds like he's gonna be back in a couple of days. So maybe they're getting healthier and healthier. Uh Kevin Gaussman got another win yesterday uh, against LA, but Ray, he did leave with hip tightness. Um, after the game, though, they said everything. Don't worry, don't you know we're we're fine. I think Gaussman said I'm I'm not missed which I get it with Gaussman, Ray. It's like this season is going way too well. Right. I'm looking to break the bank in free agency this year. Hip tightness is not keeping me out my next start, but we shall see with Kevin Gelsman.
1: We will. I, my assumption at this point, as as we record this podcast on Monday, is that he will he will make his next turn. But yeah, this is we'll see. Um, the, he's been terrific. We talk glowing. I talk glowingly about him on Sunday on SiriusXM on our show over there. But uh, he's been terrific, and uh, yeah, I, I think they caught this early enough from what we're hearing that it shouldn't, from what we know, be a long term issue.
0: Yankees uh, writer Luis Severino nearing a rehab assignment this week as he comes off Tommy John surgery. Now, remember, rehab assignments don't mean that your return is imminent. Noah Syndergaard proved that just last week. Uh, A couple of other things. Michael Kopech placed on the I.L. uh, Hamstring injury for him. Uh, The Pirates say that, quote, all reports have been good on Cabrian Hayes rehab assignment. Okay, Ray. I mean <laughs> it's
1: after been a the long two months one. of it not being good, <laughs> yeah. Kyle. The last week has been good.
0: Yeah, been a long one. And then over the weekend, um, if you missed it, Marcelo Zuna uh was arrested for um, I think it was strangulation, battery, assault, things that are bad. Um, he's gonna be out anyway for six weeks with some broken fingers, but could miss a ton of time. Um Ray, you noted this, I guess, over the weekend and Maybe a week from now, we're dumping this guy. And and there are a lot of people that said, screw this. I'm out of it on Azuna. But I, I guess we should give it at least a few days before people just move on. There's, I, I think it's very unlikely that he's back once the injury heal is healed because, Ray, there's got to be a suspension uh, coming for Azuna, too. A lot of people uh, might be well-warranted to move on from Azuna right now.
1: Look, if you want to – we don't know if what has been – You know, the accusations are accurate or not. But I will say this thing, this was witnessed by multiple police officers. So it sure seems that way. If you wanted to drop. He's up against a stacked deck there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If you want to drop him because you think he's a horrible human being, Ray Flowers is not going to stand in your way of doing that. Okay. We all should know that by now. Uh, The advantage you have with holding on to Azuna is that he's on the injured list. So if you've got an aisle spot, you can put him on there, and he's not hurting you right now in terms of wasting a roster spot. If you don't have an injured list, I think I think you then, in that case, move on. Um, just to say it, you know, it, 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 it's extremely possible that he doesn't play another game this season.
0: Uh-huh, yeah.
1: I mean, that's extreme. And it's also possible, I did some looking into this, even if his significant other doesn't press charges, because the police saw it and the police reports follow, the the DA could still press charges against him. So he could end up in jail. I mean, frankly, that, that that is a potential outcome here. So, yeah, it is quite possible that Azuna never never plays – it's possible he never plays baseball again. To be fair, it's possible. And it certainly is possible that he doesn't play again this season. Uh, who
0: knows when we're going to see Kenta Maeda again. Um, not because of anything like Azuna, uh, thank God. But uh, Kenta Maeda Ray, who we've been hearing about the growing injury for like two weeks now, even enough to put him on the IL officially with a growing injury um now the twins are more worried about his arm that is growing and that makes sense he's been terrible this year uh but we just don't know what the status is we don't know when he might be back uh owners are just stuck in limbo right now
1: yeah and i'm i went off on this on the twins yesterday on Sirius xm by the way our shows um are on saturdays and sundays from three to five eastern we usually wait to the end kyle let's do it early three to five eastern <laughs> uh, Saturday and Sunday on SiriusXM fantasy sports radio and con and I are also on Friday nights from eight to from 10 to 12. Those are all Eastern times. And I, I went off and I said, look, you know, and you went off too. Cause it's like, you know, could we have been given this information earlier? I mean, you know, cause you said the whole time he was fine. And yesterday you said he's not like, I don't just don't say anything. If someone asks you if his arm is okay, Take the next question. Don't and, don't well, lie about me, it.
0: Ray, the, the yeah, it's the lying about it. It's not so much with Maeda, you know, or that particular player. It's just the idea that you've now delegitimized. You know, you delegitimize every injury. Yeah, that you talk about. Yep. Because I don't, I don't know if you're telling it How am I to figure out when you're telling the truth or not? So, yeah. like when you when you have these cases where the injury mysteriously changes, and then oh yeah, actually he's been hurt. It, I, I, the player individually, who cares? I, but it's the idea of then. Why are we even reporting injuries if everybody's just lying at will whenever they feel like it as to what the situation is? And and hey, all we do on this show, it feels like, is talk about injuries. And and who knows, Ray, how accurate we're even at with the information that that we're using? It, it just, you know, it starts to get into a really shady aspect. I feel of the sport.
1: Yeah, all these, all these sports are are very lucky that Ray Flowers isn't the commissioner. <laughs> because I, I would be finding the shit, and I swore, out of everyone that lied, okay? You, you know, you, you can say he's got an ankle issue and not tell me the tendons are torn, right? But he's got an ankle issue. Okay, you can't tell me he's got an ankle issue and then it's a shoulder. You're lying. You can't, and that's what this, the twins did. His arm was fine, 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 fine. Oh, yeah, now his groin is hurt. His, and then they said his groin was going to take longer than they expected. Then they backed off on that and said, oh, no, the groin actually is, is healed. But now it's his arm. So it was even it was even a they even were dishonest apparently about his groin situation, but yeah the idea that you you switch from a groin to an arm and then have the balls to say oh yeah his arm's been sore all year it's been that <laughs> way the whole time they lied and so yeah whether we're talking Donaldson or Buxton how can we trust anything they're saying like we got this beat reporter oh you know Lawrence is in a walking boot. For all I know, he's going to miss six weeks. Like, I don't know. <laughs> They're not being honest with us. You can't trust the twins at this point. It's tough. No
0: doubt. Let's go to the seven spot in the starting nine and hit our weekly planning hot planner highlights. Uh, Rob Povia over at uh, fantasy guru handles these each and every week updates the article he posts it every weekend and keeps an updated version running all week long. And, A lot of good stuff in there this week. There's a breakdown on uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s great season, kind of a deep dive into Nick Pavetta. One thing he brings up, Ray, is the fact that this week the Angels are uh, going to San Francisco. Uh, So in NL Park, we'll have to see what the Angels do with Shohei Mm Atani, who has played in the field but has never started in the field yet this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, I would be very surprised if he doesn't play, right? They have to do that, don't they? So... Uh, It is something to keep an eye on, too, because it all depends. And this gets into, you know, this season qualification as well as next season qualification. Um, Because, you know, as a UT guy, you're very limited, right? That's for years why some people didn't take Ortiz or didn't take Cruz or maybe Stan because you're limited to that. If he picks up outfield eligibility heading into next season, really opens things up. He's played four games in the outfield, five and a third innings. okay. But he's played four games in the outfield. So if your league isn't game started, it's just games played. A lot of leagues are five games for qualification edition in season. Mm -hmm. So he might get that this week. uh, And then it's a matter of what your league would carry over to next season.
0: And let me just add, Ray, I've been one of those who has avoided the UT guy for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And this Mm -hmm. year, I feel like dipped my toe into it more than ever before. I got Jordan Alvarez. Mm -hmm. And Ray, I hate it. Mm. I hate it the, the, the amount of blocking that is done and I can't do anything, can't move this guy. I can't add an extra player in the UT spot. It has been infuriating. Like it's, it's been really, I, I, I kind of regret the decision. It's Alvarez has been fine. I mean, injuries have kind of upset me, but, I, I just hate the positional lockdown and I kind of gave into the idea of, Oh, you get the numbers though. And, and who's this, but man, it's just been so quiet and I can't make moves and I end up leaving good guys on the bench. Cause I have nowhere to put them.
1: Yeah. The toughest thing for me is that I have in multiple leagues, JD Martinez, cause I felt he was being undervalued everywhere. And you know, if he's a UT only player, I'm working on a Thursday, right. And I've got three open outfield spots. I can't move him to the outfield to put someone else at UT that plays second base or whatever, like you're talking about. So now I can't play the second baseman and then I can't make a move. and I just have open spots. So I understand what you're saying. Um, I think that my preference would be to avoid a UT guy. But again, I drafted JD Martinez all over the place this year because I just thought the value was there.
0: Yeah, well, I I don't even think I would be complaining if I had JD. No, Martinez. okay. <laughs> you know, he's he's done enough to to uh, maybe overcome the the UT lockdown that he has. Um, also one other thing over at the Weekly Planner talking about the Boston hitters. Speaking of JD Martinez, uh, they're out of Fenway this week, but they do have four games in Houston and three at Yankee Stadium. If you're going to leave Fenway, Ray, those are two good spots to go to. You get to go to Minute Maid and then up uh to,
1: to the Bronx and, and Yankee Stadium. Yep. That may not be, quote unquote, the best draw you could ever get, but it's got to be top five. Uh, It's a great place to be for that team. Time now
0: to go to the eighth spot in our uh, edition here of the Baseball Elite Podcast. It's time to dial up another random reference. Baseballreference.com is where we go to. We click the uh, random pages button and again, we just see where it sends us. And quite often it kind of sends us to a box score, I guess because there's like trillions of box scores. Um, oh, by the way, Josh Donaldson yesterday scored the two what, two millionth run. Was that yeah. right?
1: Two million. Yeah. Run. So we got
0: our 2000th player this year and our two millionth run we're, this we, year, which is kind of cool, all within like a week of each other. Yeah, yeah and there was,
1: not. There was a, ba- a bunch of back and forth. I saw John Thorne, who's the official baseball historian, talking about this. Like It was reported that, I forget who it was, scored the two millionth run. He's like, no. I'm the baseball historian, guys. No, that's not when baseball. So <laughs> I guess they finally looked at it again and said, oh, yeah, well, we're, we're using the wrong start date um and so uh yeah it happened with josh donaldson and he had a little thing on twitter that i retweeted Uh, people can find it on my twitter account at baseball guys the first major league run scored officially on april 22nd 1876
0: woo 1876 so it took us a hundred and almost 50 years tim mcgill to get two million runs that's with an offensive explosion over the last 25 years Mm -hmm. so um, well, our random reference today takes us to June 24th of 1993. Oakland visiting the kingdom in Seattle. Uh, Oakland wins it three to two. Dennis Eckersley with the win. Um, Eckersley out of the bullpen. And Ray, it was a complete game loss for Randy Johnson. <laughs> he, he struck out 14 guys. Ooh. He walked Eight and he lost this game by a final score of 3-2. to
1: Just remarkable. Yeah, wins and losses don't mean anything. Um, That's pretty awful uh, for him. He he won 19 games on the year, Kyle, so that cost him 20 victories, uh, which is is pretty interesting. But, uh, yeah, he he obviously we talked about him previously. We had another game come up where he wasn't pitching well at the start of his career. This is in the, the salad days for him. Eckersley, Dennis Eckersley, uh, obviously for those people that just remember him as a closer was a starting pitcher as well he won 20 games no hitter or perfect game for him Kyle no hitter right for who Eckersley uh no hitter yeah yeah, yeah. dude no, dude, no hitter. hitter uh before he transitioned and, and became you know that the remarkable reliever it's pretty amazing Eckersley by the way 197 victories 390 saves that's yeah. pretty remarkable work yeah, this got his second
0: victory of the year in June. Uh, Randy Johnson fell the nine and four with the loss. Um, man, you love when Ricky Henderson, who is still really, really good then, um, is backed up by Lance Blankenship in your, in your lineup. That's what that's what the A's were rolling out there. And Kevin Seitzer, man, I, I got to tell you about, I guess it was about two weeks ago after the guy hit uh, Pilar, hit Kevin Pilar mm-hmm. in the face and that game was on ESPN and um, during the, the between innings, um, commercial, they kept the camera on the pitcher and he got to the bench and he was all distraught and out of sorts. And Kevin Seitzer is a, is a coach for the Atlanta Braves. And, and they were talking about how Seitzer sat down with them for a good few minutes and talked with him. And Ray right, Kevin Seitzer looked like a blimp. Mm. Like I, I would never recognize like Kevin Seitzer. I remember from when he was playing, he hit fourth in this game back in 93 for the A's. And and you could Kevin Seitzer can walk past me on the street now. Yep. and he's like a balding guy. It's like oh my gosh, that's Kevin Seitzer now. But good for him, I guess that means he's 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 bringing in enough money to put food on the table. Uh, but I I would have never guessed that's Kevin Seitzer in the uh, Braves dugout anymore.
1: He uh, by the way for his career was a hell of a player. He wasn't a he was star. Good, yeah. He wasn't yeah. a star, but he hit two ninety five. He had a three seventy five on base percentage, and he didn't win the Rookie of the Year in nineteen eighty seven even though he led the league with 207 hits. Um, <laughs> he had hit 323 that year uh, to start his career. Uh, let's see, who who won that? Year? Oh, it was, um, Mark McGuire, that's right. 49 home runs did it for McGuire. Yeah, that'll beat you. That'll do it, wins. yeah. But uh, yeah, 295 with a 375 on base percentage for a guy that played more than a decade. He was a really good player. Doesn't
0: that suck? It just got this dumb luck of when was your rookie year? Like Kevin Seitzer can say, man, I had 207 hits and led the... That, that American League included the likes of, you know, Wade Boggs and Kirby Puckett yeah playing back then um and and he led the league and yet because of mark mcguire he finishes second like a year later he probably walks away with the rookie of the year Mm. like instead of battling mark mcguire he's up against like i don't know matt Noakes or something
1: (laughs) no no no, no, no. (laughs) Noakes. nice
0: he easily gets that rookie of the year award uh stamp of approval time it's how we like to uh, end each edition of the baseball league podcast ray what gets the thumbs up from you
1: um the Bourne novels by Robert Ludlum now they're Eric Van Lace whatever did a bunch of new ones and all that but I'm talking about the original three by Robert Ludlum the Born Identity the Born Supremacy and the Born Ultimatum if you like the movies you should read the books because the books aren't even hardly about what the movies are about it's a <laughs> totally different it's the same idea of amnesia and all that but totally different storylines but I tell you what Kyle that's and you're into the spy stuff and everything but that Ludlum could write um, mm-hmm. Very, very, you know, dense, information-filled, twists and turns. So those three Robert Ludlum-born novels.
0: Well, I'll, I'll follow up your uh, spy uh, stamp of approval with one of my own. A lot of people saw, what was it, last week, that Amazon uh, is in the process of buying MGM. And, Ray, it has me excited because we know what's next. Mm-mm. It means we're going to get a bunch of, like, James Bond offshoots on Amazon Prime you know just like we've got like on disney plus with the mandalorian yep, yep. and you know the these like tertiary characters or supporting acts in the movies and they give kind of their own spin off mm-hmm. i'm a huge bond guy and, and Ray, I want to know about Baby Jaws, you know, oh. I, be, before he before he turned into the real Jaws. But even like, you know, like Felix Leiter, who's the CIA. Mm-hmm. Give me a series about Felix Leiter. So I'm kind of, it may be seven years from now, but I'm kind of excited to see if they come up with, um, you know, some series on yeah. Amazon Prime that deal with the Bond universe.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I recently watched um, what was it is it was the Born Legacy um, which, you know, uh, starring Jeremy Renner. Yeah, he was um, the fill-in
0: for an episode. Yeah, the yeah
1: they did there. that. And then there was, actually, I haven't seen it, but there was a uh, Treadstone TV series that I was hunting around to see. if It was on Amazon. I never, it was only on for a season on TV. But yeah, I think exploring the universes, if you're into whatever it might be, you know, for the average person, they're not going to care if it's not good. But like The Mandalorian was good. Like I think people that were just into sci-fi watched that because it was good, let alone that it was attached to Star Wars. And so whether or not people love James Bond, they love good spy stuff. So if they do that well, it's a bonus for everyone.
0: Yeah, so I hope that's the case. I don't know. I think uh, everybody hates Jeffrey Bezos and many hate Amazon, but I'll give them my stamp of approval today, (laughs) at least. Okay, that'll take us to the end of things, Ray, as we head out the pod door. uh, Where can the folks find you this week?
1: Folks can find me at serious oh I don't even know where I'm talking find you at serious they can't find me there um not on Twitter anymore for until football season but we're on uh Fridays from 10 to 12 Saturdays and Sundays from three to five those are all Eastern I'm also on with Jeff Mann's on Wednesdays from four to six on twitter at baseball guys on Instagram at the Ray Flowers uh and then uh also in the chat room uh it's really gotten I've you know I kind of challenge people to take advantage of the chat room and they have and You know, there's still time to sign up, folks. If you want to jump in now, you can sign up. Uh, We get chat room talks going. I answer questions every single day. You get an answer within 24 hours guaranteed. Usually it's within three or four. Um, But yeah, so we'll still help you out there. If you're, you know, on the fence, you need a little bit of a boost coming down the stretch here to help you out the the last two thirds of the season. Check us out at fantasyguru.com. As
0: for me, I'm going to be drinking and grilling. Uh, Ray, we're recording this on Memorial Day. So Mm -hmm. as soon as I sign off here, uh, cracking my first beer. Let's get this party started.
1: I like the sound of it Kyle have one for me yeah
0: well it's 11 a.m where you're at you can start
1: I can totally i'm not start. gonna i'm not
0: gonna call the police right
1: i gotta i gotta dive into the rankings i gotta work um oh. the rankings update comes out tomorrow every if you police. do that
0: with a beer in your hand right well, come on i
1: could it would, you do the rankings drunk i Let's could do honest. the first 20 players of the position maybe the next 30 might be a problem <laughs> Uh,
0: oh ray do I mean, you really think you're gonna rank some guy at 24 when he should have been
1: 39th at second base you're not gonna get that plastered kyle people aren't paying money for me to give a half tossed <laughs> answer to who they should have the rest of the season uh just yeah, i a, think
0: you may your brain may work more uh perfectly after a couple of beers
1: might work more efficiently you never know um Absolutely. first of every month that's another part of the package first of every month i re-rank all 600 players so uh, those will be out on June 1st. They'll be out on July 1st, August 1st, and September 1st. Another reason to sign up if you haven't.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, we hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast. We're back midweek. Uh, does it for us, does it for the podcast. We uh, always hope that we did it for you. Uh, subscribers only for the midweek one. Today's free. The early week one, we give you that one free, but the weekend, the midweek one, those are subscribers only. So if you want more Ray, you want more me, that's how you can do it. You subscribe and you are good and set to go. Um, Our thanks to you. Our thanks to everybody. Fun to talk some fantasy baseball right here on the Baseball League Podcast.